Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P.H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 3. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Deuteronomy 24.5 Benaiah followed his nose into the cooking room, enticed by the aroma of his favorite lamb stew. What's the occasion? he asked. Dinah glanced at him and then looked away quickly. She taste-tested the broth, nodded her approval, and answered, Terhana and Zibia are coming over for dinner. Do I know them? You must have seen them at worship, but perhaps you haven't been formally introduced to their family. Their family? Who else is coming? Benaiah was beginning to suspect this was another, probably another one of his parents' awkward attempts at matchmaking. Now twenty, Benaiah had resisted his parents' pressure to marry because he saw it for what it was, an attempt to keep him in Kabzeel forever. He was sure they thought, once he was tied down to a family, he'd abandon his dreams of soldiering, so they'd be inviting friends over to share meals, and those guests brought along their marriageable daughters. So far, the young women he'd been introduced to were nice enough, but some were rather naive. Others seemed desperate. Some didn't appeal to him physically. Others seemed uninterested in his future plans and were most likely to want to settle in Kabzeel and have babies, whereas he couldn't wait to leave this town on his great adventure. Over the last seven years since Amizabad's death, by which he marked the passage of time, all of his friends had gotten married and settled down. Even Mikhail had a wife, Netaniah, and a one-year-old daughter. He worked in his father's olive grove, like a regular, responsible adult. But, on the rare occasions when he could get away from his responsibilities to spend time with his childhood friend, the two men spoke of their shared ambition to leave town and become soldiers in the army of Israel. Having a family made it more difficult, but not impossible. Let me guess, Benaiah said as he threw his head back in exasperation, they have a daughter of marrying age who is coming along with them tonight. Yes, Mariah is a lovely young woman, Dinah said defensively. Please try to be reasonably polite for our sake. Please, Benaiah. Benaiah sighed. All right, Ima, but only because you made my favorite meal tonight. He kissed her cheek. Benaiah heard their guests call out a greeting outside the courtyard. Jehoiada ushered them in and introduced them to Benaiah. He did recall seeing the parents somewhere. They had three children with them, he guessed ranging in age from eight to about eighteen. Ima joined them and exchanged embraces with their friends. As he greeted them politely, Benaiah noticed the young woman, Mariah, was unlike the others he had met over the years. Not only was she stunning, with shiny black hair partially hidden by a veil and brown eyes that sparkled with amusement, but when he, his gaze locked with hers, three things happened simultaneously. His mouth fell open in surprise, the four parents exchanged a knowing glance, and Benaiah realized that his parents had just found a reason for him to never leave Capsule. The meal should have been like any other, but Mariah unnerved him. He didn't usually feel nervous, but this time he actually cared what she thought of him. He had no interest in appearing rude or arrogant. He wanted her to approve of him for some reason he couldn't understand. When she asked for the bread to be passed, Benaiah nearly knocked over his cup scrambling to get it for her. He was excited when their fingers accidentally brushed against each other as he passed it to her. But what pleased him even more was that she seemed 
to feel the same attraction and stole glances at him as the conversation droned on around them. How he longed to ask her to join him on the rooftop so he could find out more about her. Was this just a physical attraction, or was it possible they could be compatible in other ways? What did she dream about? How would she feel about his future plans? Why did he care? And why was he thinking about such things within the first hours of meeting her? Would she be disappointed to learn he would not be a priest like his father, which she no doubt expected? Most of the girls his parents have tried to set him up with seem delighted with the prospect of becoming a the wife of a priest. Since the priest's family lived on the offerings of the people, they lived well and never went hungry, and priests hardly ever went off to war. On the rare occasions when they were called to go, they remained behind the soldiers, safely praying. Benaiah heard himself being addressed by Mariah's father, Terhana. He gave himself a mental shake to return to the moment. I'm sorry, sir. Can you repeat the question? I was wondering how your training for the priesthood is going. It must be about the time you begin your duties. You're twenty, isn't that correct? Yes, sir, I am. Benaya noticed Mariah cringe slightly. Did she feel for him as if her father was just beginning his interrogation? He looked at his parents, who were now intently interested in their stew. They were leaving it to him to explain. Oh, well, he wasn't ashamed. I'm not going to be a priest, he blurted out. Not going to be a priest? Johanna repeated incredulously. How can that be? He looked at Jehoiada as if to check whether such a thing could possibly be true. Benaya looked over at Mariah to gauge her reaction, and she seemed as surprised as the other adults. She stopped eating to hear his answer. Only the two younger children seemed not to care. For seven years, Benaya had done his best to learn the priesthood, tried to imagine himself in the role everyone expected him to fill, but his dream of becoming a soldier had never died. On the contrary, keeping it inside seemed only to fan the flame of his passion. No, I... Well, I feel God is calling me in another direction. Terhana cleared his throat. Not everyone is cut out for the priesthood. It is a lofty calling, after all. But I've never heard of an Aaronite being anything but a priest. That's why God set them apart. Did Moriah's father think Benaiah was unworthy? Why couldn't anyone see that becoming a soldier was as much of a calling as becoming a priest? Yes, that's what is usually expected. Thankfully, our elder brother, Shalom, is already well established as a priest here in Kabzeel, so it's not like our family isn't represented. Johanna turned to Jehoiada. Perhaps, Jehoiada, I could train your son to be a merchant. He could work in my shop as an apprentice. Why was he not asking Benaiah what his plans were? He was a man, not a boy dependent on his father's direction anymore. Benaya noticed his mother was silent. He knew she was disappointed with his decision to become a soldier. Did she fear for him? Or did she think her matchmaking plans would be dashed if Terhana didn't approve of the direction Benaya would go in his life? Benaya had no intention of spending the rest of his life making and selling pottery. Mariah looked at him, intent on hearing his response. Was she hoping he'd accept the offer to become a merchant? Was she looking for a safe, secure future? Only one way to know for sure. Actually, sir, my intention is to become a soldier. A soldier! Terhana's bushy eyebrows lifted in surprise. To his surprise, he didn't feel the typical thrill of victory that had always come when he successfully thwarted his parents' matchmaking efforts. 
Even the usual relief over not having to settle down was mixed with a new emotion, a touch of disappointment and a slight stab of irritation at the thought of this lovely young woman marrying someone else. Benaiah glanced at Mariah to see if she was as shocked as her parents, or as disappointed as his parents. Instead, she looked momentarily surprised, and then seemed to be processing the information, as if readjusting to a detour on a journey. Perhaps she didn't understand what being a soldier's wife would entail. Was that good or bad? Isn't Saul's army stationed at Gibeah with the king? Terhana asked ben Benaiah. At least he was addressing him again, man to man. Yes, that's the main location, but there are skirmishes in various regions, Benaiah said. The topic of conversation made everyone but the youngest children seem to forget to eat. They carried on, noisily slurping their stew, while the adults processed this news. I think it's an admirable profession to guard the king and to fight Israel's battles, Mariah said. The parents all looked shocked at her bold statement, but Benaiah felt ready to burst with pride at her support of him. There are also rumors that Saul won't be on the throne much longer, that his young son-in-law, David, has become quite popular and is a competent soldier fighting the enemies of Israel. Wouldn't it be something to be aligned with such a man? This was the one who defeated the giant when he was just a youth. Benaiah added, He admired David from afar, even as he lost respect for King Saul after the stories he heard from his father. Tirana looked between Benaiah and Mariah, no doubt wondering at the conversation they seemed to be having to the exclusion of others at the table. Dinah stood suddenly. More stew, anyone? I'll have some, Ima, Benaiah said without taking his eyes off Mariah. Probably best to end the conversation there. Let everyone consider the implications of it and draw their own conclusions. As Benaiah ate his second bowl of lamb stew, he marveled at Mariah and was captivated by her intelligence and apparent support of his unorthodox career choice. Could she be the one who would allow him to have the best of both worlds, a family to care about and a career as a soldier? Dinah began to clear away the dishes and asked Benaiah to take Mariah to the rooftop herb garden to gather some mint leaves for tea. He knew there were plenty in the cooking room, but since he had been hoping for such an opportunity to be alone with Mariah, he agreed heartily and waited for her to rise from the table. She looked to her parents for approval. They nodded and she followed Benaiah to the bottom of the stone stairwell leading to the rooftop veranda. He followed her up the stairs. Then Benaiah noticed his mother had sent their servant, Shua, to accompany them at a discreet distance. The younger children asked permission to play outside, including 12-year-old Rizba and 7-year-old Yael, and the men went out for a walk. The women headed to the cooking room. Did they really want these mint leaves, Benaiah wondered. Do you really approve of such a life, Benaiah asked as they gathered mint leaves. He feared she would change her mind and shatter the faint hope he felt. He was already considering what life with her would be like. If he agreed to marry Mariah, they could build a house near her family so they would be close by while he was away fighting. His mother would be happy to see them more often than if they lived in Gibeah full-time while he fought in Saul's army. Perhaps he could still fulfill his dreams after all, at least a slightly revised version of them, while still making his parents happy and even having a wife and family. Mariah looked up into his eyes, resolve and admiration evident there. Yes, I do. Benaiah released his breath and smiled. Then I'll talk with my father.
Benaiah squinted as he attempted to sew the blue and white striped fabric to a sling of braided leather. How do women do this? After numerous failed attempts to thread the needle he'd borrowed from his mother's sewing basket, he'd finally managed to push it through the thin fabric into the thick leather a few times, but his stitches were loose and uneven, and the edges of the cloth were beginning to fray. The striped fabric, which had been the which had last been used many years ago to keep a loaf of bread warm, would surely stand out against his neutral-coloured battle clothing, but Benaiah didn't care. He'd kept it for seven years, ever since his brother died, and he wanted to make something permanent out of it, as a constant reminder to him of the cost of disobedience. Discouraged with his lack of sewing skills, he wrapped the, the needle and thread up in the cloth and tucked it into the pocket of his tunic. Then, though it stung his pride to do so, he needed to ask for help. Shua would have done it, but this would uh, make a good excuse to see his betrothed. He found Mariah at the town well, helping an older woman fill a small bucket. Then she took a dipper of water to a beggar before drawing some for herself. When she started to heft a heavy-looking wooden yoke to her shoulders, he hurried to her side. Let me help you. Her eyes sparkled when she grinned at him. I've been doing this since I was a little girl, Benaiah. I am perfectly capable of fetching water for my family. I know. He grabbed the two full buckets at her feet. He attached them to the wooden yoke and placed it over his back and shoulders, careful not to slosh the water out. Thank you, Benaiah. They started toward her home. What brings you to the well today? Do I need a reason to see my future wife? He asked with a wink. Of course not. Mariah met his gaze. Abba will be very happy to see you. With a house full of women, he craves male companionship. He loves to talk about politics, but never does so with me. He seems to think all women are either uninterested or uninformed. Benaiah was surprised at her response. How did you become interested in politics? Mariah lifted her chin. I listen when the men speak. And if anyone ever asked for my opinion, I'd give it. He raised an eyebrow. Well, when we're married, I'll be sure to include you in every political conversation I have. She chuckled. I wouldn't want you to be scorned by the other men for having an opinionated wife. A blush colored her cheeks. But I'm happy to share my thoughts when we're alone. Benaiah felt blessed to be marrying an intelligent and considerate woman. He longed to take her into his arms and kiss her. Their families had been making plans for their wedding to take place the following harvest season, but Benaiah didn't know if he could wait that long to make this incredible woman his bride. He cleared his throat. There was another reason I stopped by the well today. Oh? I need help sewing something. She tilted her head. Do you need a garment mended? No, no. Shua and Nima take care of that. It's more personal. Something I need for my soldiering. She tilted her head. If you bring it by the house, I'll be happy to take a look at it. Actually, I have it with me. May I show it to you? Mariah gestured to a grassy area under a leafy sycamore tree. Benaiah set the water buckets down carefully so as not to lose any precious water. They sat on the grass in the shade as he fished out his sewing project out of the pouch at his waist. Mariah examined the bundle of fabric and the leather strap. What's it supposed to be? She laughed. The leather strap will be attached to my belt and, to hold, and hold my club. I wanted to cover it with the fabric my brother had in his hands the day he died. Mariah let the project fall into her lap. Oh, Benaiah, that is so touching. Of course I'll help you. He pointed to the section he'd attempted to sew. 
My stitches aren't very straight or close together. That's not the only problem. Mariah loosened the stitches Benaya had tried to make since they weren't knotted. She stretched out the fabric and folded it, then laid the strip of braided leather on it. Is this the direction you want the stripes to go? Benaya had not even considered such a thing. Did it matter? I guess so. If you sew the material with the right sides together, then flip it inside out, the stitches won't show. Benaya looked, shook his head. That makes perfect sense. If it's going to hold something as heavy as a club, you'll want to leave about a finger width space on either side of the seam and make a second row of stitching so it won't unravel easily when there's pressure on the edge. After you turn it right side out, thread the leather braiding through the center and stitch the ends closed. I never would have figured out all of that. You're so smart. Mariah shrugged. You just never, you've just never been taught, and you have other skills I don't have. That's what marriage is, you know, every partner supplying what the other one lacks. Benaya set the sewing project aside and took her hands in his. You're going to be a good helper for me in many ways, Mariah. He leaned closer, inhaling the fresh scent of her hair. I just hope there are ways I can benefit you as well. An elderly couple passed by. Benaya quickly pulled away from Mariah, then smiled and greeted them. After they passed, he leaned in for their first kiss. Harvest time could not come soon enough. Keep listening for Benaya Chapter 4.